Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we continue our conversation with Chris Mansell, a serial entrepreneur who built a vision for creating a business with a life-changing exit. And then he went along to build and sell it. Five years later, Chris then sold the business for double his dream amount of money and moved to a beautiful beach location in Maui to live the good life. So if you're interested in hearing about his story of building and selling a business, head over to our previous episode, which was episode 74. But in this episode, Chris offers some valuable insights on what business owners ought to expect after closing the deal by walking us through his own experience post-sale. We know that after years of intense focus of owners in building their businesses, it can be hard for them to imagine life without it. But rather than fighting this, it might be easier for them to accept the idea of selling if they purposely prepare themselves for what life is like after a sale. So today's episode serves as a helpful guide for both business owners and their advisors in a reminder of the emotional journey post-sale and in helping to guide what they should be considering prior to sale in order to get fully prepared and to reduce their likelihood and the severity of road bumps along the way in terms of the sale process. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area. And hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Today we have back again Chris Mentzel talking about where he went to after the sale of his business. So Chris, we left off the last episode with you firstly having had this uh, great goal of building a business to sell and then to use it to fund a lifestyle for you moving forward and then you built that business and then you, you got there and sold that business for even more money than you'd originally planned. So maybe if you can take us on to that next phase of your life about what decisions you made after the sale of your business and how you set up your life uh, on your terms, uh, I guess. At this point, and uh, we're talking 1989, we found ourselves in, in a whole new world. Suddenly, we had a lot of money on the account. And that really made me nervous because it was just sitting on a checking account and it was easy to figure out how much money you're losing in interest if you're not investing it properly. Right. So you had all of this money, the proceeds, just sitting in cash basically in your bank account. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, I still remember. I still remember the day that uh, I, I went to my bank and yeah, pulled out uh, yeah a hundred hundred mark bill, and, <laughs> and I looked at it, and there were nine hundred eighty five thousand sitting in there. Wow! <laughs> and uh, that was that was an awesome feeling, but very strange too. And I had no idea what to do with it. Ooh. So if I would do it again, I would yeah, prepare a few months earlier 
and look around with friends and acquaintances to see what's what's a good strategy to do with the money the moment it arrives. Mm, the wealth management, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once you have money like that sitting in your in your checking account, it's it suddenly becomes urgent to make sure that you you properly invested. Mm, mm. I think that's a really good tip. The big tip from our last episode was get yourself structured right from a tax perspective in your business first. And then second tip is understand your wealth management plan for when you achieve, uh, as we call it, this liquidity event. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so I, I didn't prepare well for that. And yeah, I was, I was struggling a lot with that in the beginning. Mm. As in it made you nervous that you had this money and no plan with it? It made me nervous that this money was sitting in an account where it wasn't earning much interest. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right. And so then at this time, you were still living in Germany? I was living in Germany. We had two small children. They were two and five years old. And I, I became really aware how burned out I was. And my company too. So one time, my company, yeah, my employees. Oh, so you, sorry, you stayed with the company. So you stayed employed by the company. Yes, I, I, I still, I still stayed, stayed there to guide the company. And originally, the plan was to stay a couple of years or longer and run the company because, as the founder, I. A lot of the, the original knowledge was with me. But then my guy said, you, you're really exhausted. Yeah, We, we don't like you. You've got to go and have a <laughs> <laughs> You're grumpy. You're grumpy, Chris. <laughs> and, and, and I said, I can't leave. You will ruin everything when I'm gone. <laughs> I believe that's so common to entrepreneurs uh, so much, so much will rest with you in terms of decisions and knowledge that you think you're totally indispensable. And I, I, I meant that. Yeah, I, I really, I really said it's something that I cannot do. Yeah, go, go away for more than a week because only I can guide it correctly. Well, they kind of kicked me out and said five weeks, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did a lot of research and I said, well, what's the best place in the world? Money, no option, no, no problem. And it just so happened that Maui was mentioned again and again. I had, I had no idea between Hawaii and Haiti and where, yeah, where everything was, but I listened and yeah, we decided, okay, we'll try it out. That's, that's where we go. And uh, off we went for five week of vacation, took the kids to Disneyland, yeah, stopped over in Santa Barbara, stopped over in Honolulu, and it was like a step up and up and up. We left in the winter, so being in, in the LA area was already phenomenal, warm and, and glorious, and then coming to Honolulu was another step, but yeah, the moment we came out in Maui and stepped out of the plane, I was like in love. There was like an immediate recognition. This was my home. This really, really was where I wanted to be. Wow. 
and we had, had a wonderful time and great experiences. And when I came back, I was I was like a totally different person. I was like pretty much unable to work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, every, every day I was sitting in there. And, and if you're looking at it, this is now 1990. So the wall came down in the end of 89. So I was like totally unwilling to work. I was so amazed that the wall had fallen and I went out every day on on the bike and explored what was happening. It was was an amazing, amazing time then. And I was thinking, gosh, I have all that money sitting in the bank. The kids are young. I'm missing them when I'm working. And my wife said the same. And so after a year, I, I said, well, it's, it's not going anywhere. Plus, I still had this, this feeling of having been overstressed. So I decided to throw in the towel and say, I got to leave. I'm not good for the company. And they were really trying to hold me, but they could see yeah, that I really had made up my mind. And so a year later, we went back to Maui and pure magic happened. We, we found the perfect house. Uh, we found wonderful friends. We were like, yeah, within three months, we were like really at, at the center of life in Maui with wonderful parties. It was like, like the island really rolled out the red carpet for us. So you'd sort of, so you, I, I guess the progress for you had been going from this, you know, really uh, highly stressed uh, person running this business uh, that was your baby that you felt, you know, and then you sold it and then you had this difficulty stepping away because you felt that no one else could fill in, uh, you know, um, any of the elements that you were doing. And then you found a way to step away and you couldn't step back once you'd done that, it, it sounds like, which is, I, I guess, you know, it's the dream for people before they start business and even while they're running a business. But so many people, I think, get caught in that element where you were which before you went to Maui for the five weeks, which is the inability to let go and the inability to see the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. The thing is that when you've run a business for five years, you've really become an expert in it. Yeah, my thoughts in in the day out the day when I was lying in bed was about writing software. And for two years after I left, that was what's what was going on in my mind. So your whole identity is really enmeshed in the business, and I think for many people it's all also enmeshed in really being needed and being important and making important decisions. And pretty much all of my friends said, oh, you'll be bored. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, will, you will be back within three months because what can you do lying on the beach? Yeah, and you're still there now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think many, many people, that's really what's happening for them. They start the next company. They yeah, get involved again. They, they create the same thing again or, or something different. And so it's an, a circle on and on. 
But what kept me from that was that I had those two wonderful little children. And I was very clear about that yeah, they would get older and yeah, it wouldn't be like that. And I really wanted to, to live a life where, where I knew my children. You know what? I think that's it's just so fundamentally important, the things you're talking about now. And the importance, I, I guess, really what we've ended up talking about here is the importance of preparing yourself, maybe not before the sale, but after the sale, really doing some important work in really thinking about what your purpose is and what next for you so that you don't just blindly roll on to the next thing because that's all you know how to think about at the moment. Yeah, many people will just turn around, start the next business and they're back in stress and back in the same thing and maybe that new business doesn't even work out and the money goes away and the stress continues. I was very happy that I had my children there and the new home of Maui that brought me on a new track. And so talk to us a bit about what that lifestyle looked like. So you've finally made this breakaway. You've had this sort of mental change. You've now moved to beautiful Maui. You have time and you've got the benefit of having some money in the bank. So what did life look like then? What, What did you do with yourself? So suddenly everything you know and you've been doing is totally worthless and you have to yeah, relearn for what your life is about now. So I, I relearned yeah, parenting. I relearned sitting down and reading. I relearned yeah, being with my wife in new ways. And I didn't feel as confident as in running a company with all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I gained a whole uh, spiritual life. I, I discovered the Sufis and uh, Sufi dancing and, and a lot of, quite a variety of, of spiritual things that are happening here on Maui. Mm, wow. And so it sounds like you have a sort of a family-filled, relaxed sort of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very family-oriented. And then uh, we had the great opportunity to rent a 10-acre estate on the, on the water, which is yeah, the only one in Maui like that. And we threw fantastic parties. <laughs> so right away, we were, we were known. Yeah? We, were, we had yeah, hundreds of friends, and, and everybody knew us. And yeah, that really cemented this, this new way of life. Yeah, wow. I love it. I absolutely love it. And and so there you said um over time you then did start to dabble in businesses again. And so you know, maybe if you can talk about a few of those experiences and a few of the things that you learnt over time about what what works well in a business and what were some lessons or warnings for people for things that didn't work so well for you. Yeah. So the first one was a month after we arrived. Maui decided they needed new high-tech entrepreneurs. They opened up an incubator. And my business was started in the first incubator that Berlin had back in 84, 85. So I rented a place in the incubator. All the big politicians came and congratulated. I 
yeah, made up a business plan. And I had, of course, all the money to, to do it myself, no problem. Didn't have employees yet. And then uh, I think a couple of weeks later, I was sitting in that yeah, white-walled office, and I was looking out and was seeing the ocean and the nature, and I was saying, am I crazy? <laughs> am I totally crazy? I, this is what I ran away from, so I, I don't want to duplicate myself here. Mm. So, so you're saying, like, are you crazy as in are you about to repeat, you know, yeah. get, get yourself yeah. into another business when actually all you really want is the, uh, you know, the relaxed lifestyle you'd suddenly discovered? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, God, I, I moved to Maui to have a new lifestyle, not to do the same game again. So I just shelved that. Uh, there was a, there was, there was, there was a great learning experience. A few years later, in '97, there was this happening in Silicon Valley. Yeah, the Netscape had had gone public. Other companies were there. There was a billion-dollar company run by 24-year-olds. And I was like, whoa, I might be missing something. <laughs> and my, my kids were getting getting older and they weren't like the center of my life. So I went and kept my place in Maui, but I started a company in Palo Alto, right in the center of Silicon Valley and went back and forth. I, I didn't want to give up my lifestyle, but I also wanted to be where the entrepreneurs' fires were burning, because certainly Maui didn't have anything like that to offer. And ran that company for about three years. And as you know, in uh, April 2000, everything just burned up. The Nasdaq crashed, investments dried up, and most internet companies went under. And uh, so did mine. So at that point... I was like uh, <laughs> cured <laughs> from running that, um, and I was ready to yeah involve myself in something else. I yeah, studied up a little bit about real estate and was looking for what what am I really interested? What do I really want to do? Then this is this actually a few years later got got really clear about it that uh, global warming was really what was calling me, that uh, I, I could see that would be affecting my life and my children's life and certainly my grandchildren's life, and that I wanted to make a difference in that. And, yeah, really, really strongly decided to do that. And from then on, I worked pro bono uh, in writing articles. I went to the Public Utility Commission the state institution that controls renewable energy, went to conferences, spoke to a lot of people, drew up a lot of plans, not to make money, but yeah, to drive forward the idea that we can be 100% renewably powered. Many other people in Maui seem to have heard the same call and, and in Hawaii. And Maui is now actually the place in the world that has the highest concentration of wind and solar on the grid. Wow, is that right? I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah, we also, at least last year, we had the most electric cars per person here in Maui. Obviously, because you can't drive far, so it's, it's relatively <laughs> it works. easy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, to Get live it. with an electric car that only does 80 miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. A bit harder here in Australia. We've got uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of road to cover, lots of road yeah. to cover. So it sounds like you had a few businesses over time, but really your your biggest success was the the first business and the other businesses sort of almost reaffirmed your view of the need to get out of business and do something that had a greater purpose for you. Is that right? Well, the one in Silicon Valley, I should mention, uh, we actually took it public. Oh, right. Wow. In a, in a reverse merger in February of 2000. And I was still in that lockup period of two years, so I couldn't, couldn't sell any stock. But we did sell some stock and uh, we had a valuation of this little company with 18 employees at that time of $500 million. Wow, that's amazing. That's how crazy yeah, valuations were running then. Wow. Totally crazy. I, I laughed about it, but yeah, we, we all said, wow, we're onto something here. And something big would have come out of it had the Nasdaq not crashed at that point. Yeah. I think one of the things, you know, in hearing everything that you're talking about here, you're, you're clearly a serial entrepreneur at heart and you find it hard to keep yourself away from <laughs> starting businesses. I remember, you know, when we met, we had uh, lots of discussions about ideas you had. I could see you were really, you know, you're really creative and you've got loads of ideas about how to make things better and how to introduce new and novel ways of, uh, of doing things for business. So, obviously, that was a driver for you at, at points. Are you still coming up with new businesses? Like, how does that manifest itself these days in your life? Well, these days, it's it's not as active as it was, but my brain brings about a, a good new business idea about once a week. <laughs> it, it used to be like almost every day. <laughs> so, I've, I'm... Yeah, writing them up and I don't really have the time to go through all of them. Yeah, yeah. But what we're building now between me and, and uh, my new partner is an online university specifically for entrepreneurs, making available important know-how to entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world. Part of this wherever they are is... Uh, we're really very much at work in Asia, in yeah, particularly in China, Taiwan, uh, Malaysia. And when I go there, I, I, I see what an incredible entrepreneurial dynamic there is, but also how people become entrepreneurs that have not had a history of learning about it or going to university. But often in China, somebody comes all the way from the farm winds up in Shanghai, gets an idea, puts it together, and suddenly has a company, suddenly has a million dollars. But he really doesn't know much about running a company. So that's when they come to the live business school that my partner has been teaching for 40 years. You can actually look up two, I'll give you two websites. One is moneyandyou.com. Moneyandyou.com. 
And the other one is globalacceleratedbusinessschool.com. Great. And look, we'll put those in our show notes, the link to both of those. In case you're moving along at the moment and can't write those down, just go to our show notes and we'll put a link through to both of those. What sort of information do these courses pass on to them? My partner has been teaching these schools for uh, 40 years very much experiential. So the knowledge that comes in really sinks deep. People remember these schools even after 30 years. They say that's that's the most important experience I had in my life. As part of doing this for all these years, there's now a lot of fantastic teachers uh, associated with the school. I just did the business school as a participant. It was in Phuket in a five-star resort. We had 25 world-class teachers that you often wouldn't uh, have access to, to otherwise. So I, I learned exactly how to do planning with computer tools. As a part of, of uh, creating these business schools over 40 years, we have now access to incredible teachers. Uh, for example, the last business school in Phuket, in a, in a five-star resort. In eight days, we had 25 teachers that taught us everything from planning to marketing. And we in particular had one teacher who, when he was, I think, 25 years old, bought a million-dollar business, and he had no money at all. And he figured out how to get the bank loans, how to structure the business purchase and owned that business for many years and grew it and then decided, I really want to teach how I did this and help other people do it. And we want to take advantage of knowing all these teachers and recording them and bringing them online in our accelerated online business school that so that entrepreneurs all over the world don't have to necessarily come for the experience, but get the trainings online, thinking, thinking truly all over the world. Yeah, it's, This could be somebody in a hut in Africa that participates, yeah, somebody in Europe where, where we don't have courses. Or our business owners here in Australia. <laughs> and business owners in Australia, yeah. yeah we're, actually, we're actually very active in Australia. You, you'll see that if you go to Money and You. Great. I think the Australian site is moneyandyou.com.au. Right. You can uh, see what's happening in Australia. Fabulous. All right. Well, look, Chris, I just want to say thank you so much for taking us through such an interesting story there. I, I think there's so many things that are really useful for business owners to bear in mind. In part one, you talked about business owners or yourself starting with this sort of strong goal and this vision. And clearly that helped you in terms of identifying opportunities, being brash enough to put yourself out there before you even had a product, <laughs> and then finding the need and building the product around that. And then selling the business and getting to this ultimate goal. But dealing with the new challenge of how to deal with wealth and how to change your mindset from a business owner that's only able to think about business and being in the business to be able to think of a broader life purpose and being able to get out of the business and into your family or other things that might bring you joy. And then, you know, the interesting stories I think that you have taken us through along the way after the sale of your business and moving to Maui about 
trying new things and and how some of them worked and some of them didn't. I think, you know, for me, the biggest lesson that I think I can take personally and and maybe our listeners can take is about the, the idea of getting close to what it is that makes you happy in life and finding a way to use your business to achieve that, but then to be able to step out of it at the end of the day, to realize that life isn't about your business at the end of the day necessarily, but that it can be a good vehicle to get you to where you want in life and to create the lifestyle that you want. So after all of that, do you have any remaining thoughts or tips or lessons or anything that you want to leave with our audience from that vast array of knowledge that you've clearly um, built up over the years and perspective. I think that's a big thing that you've probably built up, the perspective. And anything to leave our listeners with? Well, um, it's really, really good to know where you're going to make a plan because if you if you don't have a plan, that's exactly where you'll wind up. And to realize that even if, if you're young and the world is your oyster, life, yeah, after all, is, is quite short. And how important family is, how important your children are. I have three grandchildren now, and our family has, has always been sweet, even living apart. We're, we're really loving and, and friendly with each other. And in the end, that's, that's what really is important, is the love that you share with others and the love you have for your own life. Mm. Chris, I just want to say a massive thank you. This has been absolutely fabulous talking to you. And I hope our listeners get a lot out of it because I personally did. So thank you. And if we want to find you, obviously, we've talked about some of those websites there, the moneyinyou.com and the moneyinyou.com.au and globalacceleratorbusinessschool.com. And if people want to make contact with you at all, Chris, where are you? Are you around in the social world anywhere? Are you on LinkedIn? How do people find you? Well, my, my email is very simple. It is chris at mensel.com. And you're absolutely welcome to write to me and can find me on Facebook, although there's, there's a whole lot of Chris Mensels. So email, email is probably the best to find me. And so that's chris at mensel, M-E-N-T-Z-E-L.com. Yes. Great. Okay, wonderful. Well, as always, we'll put a link through to it in our show notes. You have a fabulous day or rest of your day there in Maui. Um, And thanks once again for joining us on the Deal Room podcast. Well, that concludes our two-part series with serial entrepreneur Chris Mensell. Today, Chris walked us through his own experience after selling his first startup and offered some valuable insights on what business owners ought to expect after closing the deal. We discussed the importance of having a wealth management plan to optimize the value that you get out of the proceeds from the sale. Chris also talked about the emotional tug of war that he dealt with during this process of letting go and stepping away and how he found himself dabbling into business again many years later. There's remarkably very few resources out there that talk about the post-exit experiences of entrepreneurs. Thankfully, here on The Deal Room, you get the benefit of listening to people like Chris, who have the benefit of hindsight, so we can learn from their experiences. Look, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and this two-part series with Chris. 
If you did, please subscribe to The Deal Room on Apple Podcast or your other favourite podcast player. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 